Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, the way to become a confident yoga teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes are transformational, not just transactions, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. Here on the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal growth because having a strong, healthy mindset is such an important piece of being a confident teacher. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. And I've got two more ways you can build your confidence and skill. Join me weekly for my mini masterclass and teaching clinic, a 30-minute teacher-only themed yoga class, followed by a teaching lesson. Just DM me the words masterclass invite. And I'm also excited to tell you about my new invitation-only group called The Empowerment Club, an exclusive community for yoga teachers who want to feel confident and make a bigger impact. Membership is free and includes weekly workshops, private audio lessons, private Facebook group, and special offers on programs. DM me the words Empowerment Club for your application. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian, and I am your host. This is episode 283. So I'm recording this on 2-22-24, which I love that string of numbers. And I just want to let you know, depending on when you listen to this, um, were you aware when 2-24-24 happened, which is Saturday of the week that I'm recording, which is going to be also a full moon day, I was just told. Uh, this episode, though, will go live on February 26th, 24. <laughs> uh, and I'm super happy to be here. There's so much going on right now in my world. My website's having weird issues. My email system is having weird issues. The tech gods are not being kind to me. But I'm finding in, you've probably had moments like these where technical difficulties are interrupting the flow of your day. In times like these, um, it's really good to just keep in mind what really matters. And honestly, you know, other than the homepage of my website being functional, which it is, all the backend stuff is not a huge deal. And I did send out an email yesterday to uh, just check in with people and a lot of people wrote me back. So I do actually think my email system is working. The bottom line is all that tech stuff really doesn't matter. What really matters is making connections with you. And so I'm super excited to have this platform, my podcast, as an opportunity to do that. And if this is the first time you're listening, welcome. If you've listened a handful of times or maybe you're a loyal listener, thank you so much for tuning back in. I want to make sure when I talk about my email, um, I want to make sure that we're connected via email because you might not always get a chance to listen here to the pod and you might not see my posts on Instagram where I am super active. So if Instagram is your place to be, uh, make sure we're connected because I do every day, I do a free 
mini workshop on Instagram and I do it on Instagram live. So if you see me go live on Instagram and you like my stuff and you like my teaching style and you want to learn and grow as a teacher, definitely hop onto my live. And if you do hop onto my live, I would love it if you would type yes in the chat if you're a yoga teacher so that I know you're a yoga teacher. Honestly, a handful of times I'll do an Instagram live and I don't recognize any of the names. When I look at the profile names, it doesn't give me any sense that they're yoga teachers. It's sort of like talking out into the void, but yet people are there live. I've had people live with me for the entire Instagram live. And I think to myself, I wonder if they're even a yoga teacher. In fact, funny story, I went out to dinner recently, Ben and I did, and a friend of his met up with us and he said, oh my God, Karen, I was on your Instagram live today. Now this guy has nothing to do with yoga, but he watched my entire anatomy lesson and he had me on speaker. So his daughter was in the room and she was like, is that Karen Fabian's voice talking about hip anatomy? And he's like, yeah, I'm watching her Instagram live. It's really cool. So I will just say when you go live on Instagram, you never really know who's going to be there unless you're up close to the camera and you can see people's Instagram names and you know who they are by their Instagram handle. But in general, when I do a live, I don't really recognize some of the names, but I will say a lot of them I do. So I respond to almost every email. Well, I, re I definitely respond to every email that I get. Uh, I send a lot of emails that people don't respond to, and I try not to take it personally, but um, I always can recognize if someone's on my Instagram live and I've also emailed with them or uh, we've had a back and forth DM conversation. So know that I see you if we've talked before, but uh, if you hop on one of my lives and you can just type something in the chat, like, let me know you're there. Let me know you're watching. Let me know you're participating. That would be great because then I know I'm, I'm connecting with people. So the mailing list though, because social media is kind of a catch as catch can, if you want to be notified of when I do these live workshops, which I do every week, and these are on Zoom. So in addition to doing daily mini workshops on Instagram, I do weekly live workshops on Zoom. And the only way that you'll know about those is if you're on my mailing list. And if you're not on my mailing list and you want to be on it, you can just send me an email and I'll add you or you can just go to my Instagram profile and download my sequence template in my profile, and that'll get you on the list. I wanted to start out with every episode, I like to do what I call a light bulb moment. <clears throat> and these are times where teachers that I work with in my program have an aha moment. I'm sure you've heard of aha moments. It's when you have a major revelation. <clears throat> And I like to call them light bulb moments because in these moments of working with a yoga teacher and she's having this realization, I can literally see an imaginary light bulb go off over her head. And it's such an exciting thing to witness because it's it's when a teacher really steps into her power in a particular way. So it could be around understanding anatomy more. It could be around um, finally taking some steps forward to develop as a yoga teacher, you know, a particular opportunity, like going for that particular studio that they want to teach at, but they were too nervous to apply, Wh whatever it is. So whatever the aha moment is, I always, or light bulb moment is, I always make note of it. 
And I love to share these with you here on the pod because I hope it inspires you to hear these stories of other teachers. <clears throat> now, having said that, I can certainly say for myself, sometimes when I see other people's evidence of success, I have that jealousy part of me and that comparison part of me come up. And I just say to myself, you know what? The universe is abundant. There's plenty for everybody. And I'm super excited for this person. And I can certainly say <clears throat> that that is oftentimes how I discover other things that I might want to do by seeing what other people are doing that is working out well for them. So that's another way to think about it. You might be inspired by listening to some of these light bulb moments to simply say to yourself, you know what, maybe that's something I want to do too. Maybe now that I'm hearing it's possible for somebody else, that gives me, you know, a sense that it's possible for me too. So and both of these women listen to the pod. So if you hear your story, <laughs> yes, it's you. And uh, this is a way of me public, publicly acknowledging you. So the first person I want to acknowledge is Lisa. Lisa is definitely a longtime listener of the pod. And Lisa and I got together this week because she has big a big, bold vision of creating her own brand. And she's done a lot of work in thinking about what she wants that to look like and the results she wants her students to get. And she's even come up with a branding name. And we met because she's already gone through my full signature program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program. So now after teachers complete that program, <clears throat> I offer them what I call solution sessions, which are consulting sessions where we meet to solve a problem. Maybe they want to learn more about anatomy. Maybe in Lisa's case, she wants to develop her business plan. And so when I met with Lisa this week, she mapped out to me the vision she has for who she wants to be as a teacher. And she's already teaching classes. She's not a new teacher. Although this honing in on the kind of student she wants to teach the type of sequencing she wants to do, how she wants to cue in her classes. She's named what she's doing with a brand name, what she's going to start to create an Instagram profile and start posting on Instagram as that persona. So we had this opportunity to get together and, and do this solution session completely dedicated to creating a plan of action for her so that she can make this come to life. And we talked about things like a retreat she wants to do, a day event she wants to do, a half day event she wants to do, where she's going to start to um, pursue teaching opportunities so she can teach in this format. There was just so much to it. And the really cool thing was to have the conversation with her and to see her completely step into her empowered way of teaching and really articulate, this is who I want to be as a teacher. These are the benefits I want my students to get. This is how I want to show up for them. These are the, the types of sequences I want to offer. These are the takeaways I want my students to have. This is the kind of thing that you know, for Lisa, it's really her, as I, as I said a second ago, stepping into her empowered way of teaching. She doesn't want to be like everybody else. And when you do this sort of thing, when you believe in yourself enough to do this sort of bold step forward, you will be unstoppable. So I just want to give a shout out to Lisa. And if hearing her story inspires you to do the same thing, that is awesome. The other person I want to give a shout out to is Gigi. 
Gigi had a light bulb moment this week. She is just about done with my program. She's in the last bit of it. It's a 90 day program. And when we got together for her momentum call this week, which when you enroll in my program, you get over the period of 90 days, you get two momentum calls a month. And when we met today or yesterday for her call, she was asking me such specific questions about, okay, how do I share anatomy in pyramid pose, in triangle, in twisting triangle? I've heard that there's a concern about neck positioning in triangle. Um, I've also heard there was another thing that we were talking about. Oh, um, oh, the infamous, you shouldn't be taking people from warrior one to warrior two because that's an open to closed or close to open hip positioning. So she came with questions, like wanted to know the why. And because she's been going through my program and a part of the program is my step-by-step -step way to learn anatomy, she's learned it. So now she can step back and start to question the stuff she's heard and start to question it. Like, is that actually true? And this is another illustration of when you step into your power as a teacher, you don't just take the stuff you hear and just take it as gospel. You start to question it. Like that level of inquisitiveness is what got me where I am today. It's what got me to write books. It's what got me to start teaching anatomy to other teachers. It what It's what got me to develop my own brand. I mean, bare bones yoga was built on my initial acknowledgement that my passion is anatomy and focusing on functional movement and helping people understand more about their bodies. If I just listened to what everybody said and just kind of followed along, oh, you mean when I do a twisting pose, I'm detoxing my body, which is not exactly true. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing because I would just be following what everybody else is saying. And I didn't do that. And Gigi's not doing that. And the springboard to her questioning was the learning learning anatomy in a step-by-step -step way in my program. And so she now, when we got together this week, we had all these specific questions that we went through that she came with. And she walked away from that call with like all these light bulb moments, like, oh, okay, internal rotation of the hips, gluteus medius, gluteus minimus, tensor fascial lata, pyramid. Okay, great. Oh, you mean in triangle, that front leg, hips and external rotation so I can cue to drop the sitting bone towards the back heel, but that's not the same as tucking the pelvis. Oh, all right. So the cervical spine has smaller bones than the thoracic and the lumbar. So when I take people into triangle, they're going to have a preponderance of cervical neck rotation, not as much in the thoracic, but maybe if I have them looked at. So these were all the things we could break down, but we couldn't break it down the way we did if she didn't have a good fundamental understanding of anatomy. And this is why I want to share this with you. One of the many reasons I want to share it with you, because if you're out there doing what I call the choose your own adventure and trying to learn anatomy, it is impossible to have these light bulb moments because you're getting a little bit of salt here, a little bit of pepper here, a little bit of Alfredo here, a little bit of sugar here, a little bit of a cupcake here. You're all over the map. You're learning in a completely disjointed way. You've got to learn anatomy in a step-by-step -step way. Otherwise, it does not work. Like, I usually don't speak so boldly about it, but now I'm just going to throw down the gauntlet. You can't learn it that way. You just can't. 
Like even the free stuff that I offer, I don't offer to say to you, come to all my free workshops and you'll know anatomy. That's not why I do that. I offer the free workshops on anatomy and other topics because I want to see, are you really ready? Are you really ready to do what it takes to learn it? Or are you still going to dabble in the free zone? And if you dabble in the free zone, that's okay. But know that you will be dabbling forever. And the teachers who decide to work with me or work with anybody, it's not just about me, they get to a point where they say, you know what? I'm tired of trying to figure it out on my own. I'm going to pay an expert to teach me and I'm going to get better results and have it happen way faster. So shout out to Lisa, shout out to Gigi. So today what I wanted to do is I've done a couple posts on Instagram that have resonated with people. And I did one this week and it's still sort of getting activity. So it may expand from today forward. Um, but, and even if it didn't resonate with people, I probably would still share it because it really was a revelation, honestly, to me, when I thought of the idea of posting something that was really focused on how did I build my confidence as a yoga teacher? What were the things I did that helped me build my confidence? Because honestly, like at this point in my teaching career, I really do feel very confident. And of course, nothing's perfect. Like I still get triggered when I see certain things on social or I don't know, compare myself occasionally to somebody. But for the most part, I'm really good in that department. But it took me a while and it took me a lot of different interventions. And so in an effort to expedite you getting to a higher level of confidence, which confidence is not even a strong enough word. It's empowered. Like empowered is my word for 2024. And that's what I want you to embody your most empowered way of showing up for your students. So I'm just going to run through a handful of things that when I took a look back this week and said, what really helped me become that most empowered teacher? What was it that I was doing? like in the 3D world, although some of this is mindset, what was I actually doing? And as you listen to these things, as I run down the list, I want you to ask yourself, are these things that I'm doing? Am I doing the opposite? Could I do these things? Could I experiment with trying some of these things? Like that's a framework to think about these things in. Now, if you're not coachable, then I would just say, don't even listen to the rest of this podcast. But if you're coachable, if you believe in what's possible, then this is absolutely something you're going to want to stick with me for. So the first thing is, thing, and this I titled the post, Things I Did That Triple Boosted My Confidence. So number one, I moved on from my mentor and I built my own brand. And what that looked like in the 3D world was I'd been working for Baron Baptiste behind the scenes. Uh, going to workshops and trainings and supporting him there, teaching in his studio. At the time that I was teaching for him, he was super, super, super popular. And he still is to a certain extent. But this was really the early 2000s. It was the heyday of hot power yoga. And people would line up outside his studio for just a whole bunch of people. Every class that he taught was sold out just about all the classes in the studio in general were, were sold out. I mean, it was the heyday. And there honestly weren't a ton of options to take yoga back in the day, uh, early 2000s in Boston. Um, prior to COVID, there were so many studios and now it's sort of shifted a little bit. It's sort of recalibrated because unfortunately, 
a lot of studios didn't survive COVID, and to, including the two I taught at for over 10 years, which were not Baptiste studios. But at some point after working for him, I got to a point where I said to myself, you know what? I'm kind of in a bullpen here. Like there's only so far I can go within this organization. And there's a whole bunch of other opportunities I want to pursue. And I really want to do it as myself. I don't want to do it as Karen Fabian working for the Baptiste Yoga Institute. I want to do it as my own brand. And what really was the catalyst to me starting my own brand was in the early 2000s, it was like 2008, the huge economic downturn because of all of what was happening in the mortgage industry and all these people started getting laid off. And they were coming to me saying, I can't come to your class anymore because I've lost my job and I can't pay for yoga. And that was what inspired me to start a location in a renovated gas station called Bare Bones Yoga. And it really referred to teaching in my style, which was functionally based, and also teaching in a bare bones location. And I just charged 10 bucks and people came, we did yoga, we left, they never even knew we were there. I mean, I was legitimately renting the space, but it wasn't a yoga studio when we weren't there. And so that whole idea of moving on from my mentor and building my own brand, that absolutely triple boosted my confidence. The next thing was I created my own method for teaching with my own methodology grounded in a solid understanding of anatomy. Now, if anatomy is something that you know you need to learn, you know you need to learn the fundamentals, like that is absolutely something you should do. Every single yoga teacher must know anatomy. Nobody gets a pass. And I'd even go so far as to say, if you know you don't know it and you're out there teaching, you're out of integrity. You've got to not necessarily stop teaching, but you've got to 100% go to action cues only and then enroll in a program, learn the anatomy, be done with it and move on. But for me... I knew that teaching from anatomy was going to be weaved into how I taught and my brand and my teaching style and what I call here my own methodology. And so I encourage you to spend some time to think about what's your methodology of teaching? How do you want to show it for your students? What's going to differentiate you from all the other teachers in the studios you teach at? So spending some time defining that and then beginning to experiment showing up in that way uh, will absolutely triple boost your confidence. <clears throat> the next thing was I stopped trying to be the yoga teacher for everyone. This is so key. There are so many people out there you're going to be teaching. And if you think about trying to please every single person, it's completely impossible. When you 100% own who you are as a teacher and you honestly don't give an F who's in your class, your confidence will triple boost because you're there showing up 100% authentically as yourself. You're there in an empowered way and you're not there to people please. And you appreciate that you can't control what people think. All of that mindset uh, thinking is absolutely a triple booster to confidence. The next thing was I started to use my own words in class from the cues I used and the thoughts at the end of class while students were in Shavasana. <clears throat> I mean, I was raised at a time when everybody read from a book in Shavasana. It was kind of like, oh, do you know the Melanie blah, blah, blah book? Or, oh, this book or that book? Or <clears throat> It was standard to be in Shavasana and hear somebody reading, which is fine. These books are amazing. I have these books. However, <clears throat> why not just say what's on your mind? <clears throat> why not just speak from your heart? 
why not let you be the inspiration for your students? And many times why teachers don't do that is because they're afraid. They're hiding behind somebody else's words as a source of inspiration. When you have the, when you have the guts to speak from your own heart as a source of potential inspiration for your students, your confidence will triple boost. The next thing that, that helped me be more confident was I taught the same sequence with only slight variations from class to class. The reason this helped me build my confidence is because I knew what the hell I was doing. I wasn't going into every class and thinking to myself, oh, I need to change this to keep everybody happy and then com being completely lost. I knew exactly what I was doing. It was like going from having my arms tied close to my body to having my arms free, to being free to walk around the room, to being free to see my students, to being free to assist people, to be free to do all the things I wanted to be doing instead of being tied down to the yoga mat, panicking because I didn't know because I didn't know what came next in the sequence. The next thing was I walked around the room instead of practicing with my students. I cannot tell you how much this changes who you are as a teacher. When you have the guts to do that, it is, it is life-changing, not just for you, but for your students. They can hear you better. You can see them better. Obviously, you can change your cues based upon what you're seeing. It is a game changer. Now, it's not all or nothing. Yes, you're going to hop on the mat every once in a while and demo something, or maybe, I mean, I know some studios now, they tell the teachers they have to practice with class because they have people that are virtually taking the class. I actually think that absolutely sucks. When I teach virtually, I don't do any yoga. So I don't actually buy that logic. So teachers that really are teaching are walking around the room. And again, don't take this as a hard and fast rule because there are going to be times where you're going to want to demonstrate something. And yes, there are going to be workshops. I went to a workshop this weekend with a, with a teacher I've known for years who's amazing here in Boston. And yes, that person was practicing with us, but there was a workshop. So we have to have some discretion when I get super excited and say this stuff. And I don't want you to, nothing is binary. And appreciate that if you look yourself in the mirror and you say to yourself, honestly, I am practicing with my class less than 20% of the time, you're good in my mind. However, if you look at yourself in the mirror and you say to yourself, hmm, more than 50% of the time, I'm practicing with them. That's a problem. And I would say to yourself, why am I doing this? Oh, it's how I find my cues. It's how I don't get lost in the sequence. I'm terrified to have people look at me. I have to mirror my students. I have to practice with them because they're visual learners. Blah, 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 blah. These are all the beliefs. Beliefs, 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 beliefs. Beliefs will block you from your confidence. Okay, next one. I stopped worrying if people like my class. This one's huge. You cannot go into teach hoping people like your class. You have no control over that. So just let that go. That's all I'm going to say about that. The next one, I own my own style of teaching, which focuses on anatomy. I'll tell you a quick story on this. I had a woman that was teaching before me at a particular studio I taught at for years, and she had a very different style from me, but people and people loved her. And... Every time I would go to teach my class, 
her class would still be going on. I would get there early and I could see that she had a shit ton of people in that class and I could hear them whooping it up in there. And it just was like, they would come out, everybody's face would be glowing. They'd be like, oh my God, that was so awesome. And when I first started teaching there, I would be so triggered by this. Like, oh my God, they love her. How come I don't have as many people sign up for my class? Blah, 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 blah. And then I got to the point where I was like, that's not me. Like I went to her class one time and I was like, oh my God, this is so not like anything that resonates with me. Nothing I would ever do. Awesome for this person, but this is so not me. And it really took that for me to appreciate. I can only teach as myself and you can only teach as yourself. And when you own that and you're not triggered by what anybody else is doing, your confidence will go through the roof. The next one, I this is related. I stopped worrying about what everybody else was doing and stopped comparing myself to other teachers. You get that, end of story. And then the last one, this one is huge. I invested in exactly the kind of training I needed, which was not necessarily hours-based training. This one is huge. I can remember one time I wanted to take a training with somebody who was very, very, very well known. The training looked amazing. However, there was this like really niche requirement that in order for you to get credit for the training, you needed to do a whole bunch of different things after the training. And these were like very specific things. I'm not going to go into it, um, but they were very specific things that almost bordered on if you wanted to be a physical therapist. And believe me, I initially studied in college to be a physical therapist. So these were things that were not freaking me out. They were not out of my realm of possibility or capability, but I was looking at them and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is a yoga teacher training. This is not a training so that you can be a physical therapist, but the requirements of this training in order for you to get credit for it, we're having you jump through like 15 hoops. And I was thinking to myself, who is this teacher trying to create from this training? This is, doesn't make any sense to me. And I didn't take it. And But yet there were all these people signing up for it because they were razzled and dazzled by, oh, cover of Yoga Journal. Oh, popular teacher. Oh, well-known teacher. Oh, but what were they going to be using all that for? Like, this is what I mean. Like, you need to be a critical consumer. You can't just follow along with what everybody else is doing. And just about everybody out there thinks, I'm a yoga teacher. I have a problem. I should get a 300 hour. I should get a 500 hour. That might not solve your problem. If you think it's going to solve your problem, let's hope you did the due diligence on the training, on the trainer saw the results that other people got before you sign up for it. So when I triple boosted my confidence and did training, I worked with a neuroscience coach. I took business training. I hired a business mentor. I developed an online program that is completely scalable that allows me to work with teachers anywhere in the world. I didn't take a training that just trains me about how to teach people in real life only, that's not scalable. That's not a, a, a scalable business model. I can only teach a certain number of people. You know, I can only be in one place at one time. 
But when I create a, a virtual program, now I can offer that to people anywhere. I can have people doing one part of the program where I'm coaching people live who are in a different part of the program. That allows me to support more people. That supports my vision of helping as many yoga teachers as possible get out there and make a huge impact. So this is what I mean about that last piece of investing in exactly the kind of training I needed. I needed to have the confidence to step outside the narrative of what everybody else was telling me I needed to do, quote unquote, get hours. And I needed to have the confidence to say, you know what? I don't think I need to get hours. <laughs> I think I need to get specific training on specific things. So those are the things. Those are the things that triple boosted my confidence. I hope that in some of these, you found some nuggets of, of, of inspiration to help you fully, more fully step into your most confident way of teaching. Now, the other thing that I wanted to just touch on, and this is sort of related, is I, in my training as a certified personal trainer, and I've got two certifications in that realm, one of the things that we studied was the steps of change. So when someone decides they want to make a change, there are different steps that have been studied from a psychological standpoint that people go through. And when you train to be a personal trainer, um, you look at the stages of change because when somebody goes to a personal trainer or when they go to a yoga class, some things inspire that inspired them to be there. Something's inspiring them to change their level of physical fitness. And so it's helpful for yoga teachers and personal trainers to understand the levels of change that people go through. However, I like to look at the stages of change in my today life um, from the point of view of when I talk to a yoga teacher and she reaches out to me maybe on Instagram or she's been at one of my workshops and we have some follow-up emails. I'm, and I haven't always done this. I'm definitely doing it more now. I am sort of trying to figure out where is this person in the four stages of change? Because I don't wanna ever feel like I'm convincing you to work with me. I don't ever wanna feel like I'm convincing you around the benefits of enrolling in my program. But in the past, I've sort of taken all takers. I've taken all conversations. And it's only been recently that I've regrouped on what I already knew, which were the stages of change. And it just hit me like a brick in the face. I was like, holy cow. Like, yes, people go through these changes. Yoga teachers go through these changes as they are out there teaching after their 200 hour and they're feeling like something's not right and they're starting to figure out, well, what's my next step? So I wanna just quickly run through these stages of change with you and see where you see yourself. So stage one is called pre-contemplation and pre-contemplation is where people are not thinking seriously about changing and are not interested in any kind of help. So that would be a yoga teacher that I speak with and I say, how's everything going? And I have these conversations and the person will write me back and be like, oh my God, everything's great. Everything's totally great. I I'm just loving everything I'm doing. It's great. And so great, it's great. Or you're lying to yourself or you're just not doing anything that's challenging yourself because when we're challenging ourselves, things aren't great, but that's when we're on the leading edge. So great, great could be totally great or it could be something else, but there's no interest there in changing. There's no need to change. There's no desire to change. But stage two is called contemplation. 
In the contemplation stage, people are on a teeter-totter, weighing the pros and cons of modifying their behavior. Although they think about the negative aspect of their bad habit and the positives associated with changing, they may doubt that the long-term benefits associated with change will outweigh the short-term costs. So this is a yoga teacher who I talk to and she'll say, oh yeah, I don't understand anatomy and it's taking me hours every week to, to prep for my classes. And every time I go into the room, I'm, I'm really just super nervous. But you know what? I'm I'm still paying off my 200 hour and I'm sort of getting by. It, it's all right. Okay, thanks for talking. And that's it. Stage three is called preparation determination. And in this stage, people have made a commitment to change. Their motivation for changing is reflected by statements such as, I've got to do something about this. This is serious. Something has to change. What can I do? I absolutely have conversations like this. This is when a teacher says to me, I need to cut back on the hours I prep every week. I need to get off the mat more and walk around the room. I need to understand anatomy. So like they recognize that there's a problem and the word need, it just sounds like so much pressure. They're putting all this pressure on themselves. They're using what I always look at as the framework of willpower and willpower does not work when it comes to yoga teachers trying to make change. That's not a way it doesn't work in dieting. It doesn't work in yoga teaching, but that is, is a stage where at least the yoga teacher is like, holy cow, I know I have problems and I really need to make a change. But then you get to teachers who are in the action willpower phase. And this is a stage where people are motivated to change. They're motivated to change their behavior and are actively involved in taking steps to change their bad behavior by using a variety of different techniques. This is the shortest of all the stages. This is a stage when people mostly depend on their own willpower. They are making efforts to change their behavior and are at greatest risk for relapse. People in this stage also tend to be open to receiving help and are also likely to seek support from others. These are the, this is the stage the teachers are in, every single one of them who's enrolled in my program, because they come to me and they say all the things I already said to you, but they say, you know what? I know you can help me. Where do I sign? And when you get to that point, what they call action willpower, it's, you're at the point where you're like, I'm done choosing my own adventure to fix my problems. I know I need to work with an expert. And I know when I do that, I hand myself over to this person who's already done what I want to do and they can show me the way and I'm going to get where I want to go much faster and with much better results than if I try to do it myself. And that approach will always get you where you want to go faster than saying to myself, saying to yourself, all right, I'm going into this class. I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to practice with them. And then 10 minutes in, you're like, shit, I need to practice with them because I'm going to get lost in my sequence. Like that is using willpower. And who wants to teach that way? You want to be walking around the room, seeing your students, feeling like the info is just oozing from your every pore, feeling like an expert, feeling like it's easy helping people, assisting them, standing around after class and fielding questions and smiling and using your own words when they're in Shavasana. That's the teacher you want to be. You don't want to be in there putting all this pressure on yourself. So I hope you have found this episode helpful. I know I've gone in a bunch of different directions. I'll just end by saying, because I didn't cover any anatomy in this episode, I have a whole bunch of anatomy workshops I've done in the past few weeks. 
If you want any of these workshops, just send me a DM on Instagram and I'll send you a replay. And it's even better than hearing it here on the pod because you're going to get the visual with the skeleton and the slides as well. So that is it for this episode. And, and you know, the last thing I want to say, which relates to this stages of change that we just talked about, if you're ready to share crystal clear cues and walk around the room effortlessly when you teach instead of being locked down to your mat, you know, just reach out to me and just say, hey, I am ready. And I'll show you exactly how to do it. So thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad we had this time together. If you're still listening right now, I'm so glad you listened all the way to the end. And I can't wait to talk to you on the next episode. See ya. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as a special thanks, DM me the words podcast offer, and I'll share with you a special opportunity for yoga teachers who are ready to be confident and skilled and drop all that prep time, drop practicing with class, drop using the same cues over and over, and drop worrying what other people think. If this is you and you're ready to step into your most powerful, authentic way of teaching, DM me the words podcast offer on my Instagram, Bare Bones Yoga.